Oh gosh. You're so spoiled. <laughs> I know. I, I've, I've been told. I've been told. Hi, guys, and welcome to The Approach with Cal Kamuna and Patricia Deanna. So um, I actually have a question for you uh, because obviously you coach men in their dating life and all the, like in just life. Like, I, I mean, I know your your title is a dating coach, but really you're, you're kind of a life coach. But have you ever... Uh, suggested to a man to get lip injections no (laughs) (laughs) the only reason I ask is because nobody wants to be in a bad kissing situation and I feel like there's so many men who do not have decent lips and I just feel so bad for them because you know it's like I'm spoiled I have like the most succulent juicy peachy ass lips and even my parents don't have the, these lips. Not a, no one in my family does. I, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. It's like a gift from the heavens. But I've like, you know, sometimes I go on a date with a with like a white girl or something who has like stencil lips. And I'm and I'm thinking in my head, like she's going to be a bad kisser. And then we kiss and it's it's good. It's just like, I think it's like technique a lot of the times. But I do notice that when girls don't have lips, they have to like, definitely like, pucker up a bit more while for me because i have lips i can just be like (laughs) (laughs) like i'm good but no i have not recommended a guy to get lip injections i when it comes to like looks um i for me hygiene is the most important thing obviously when it comes to fashion i love fashion obviously and i love style and i definitely recommend guys to focus on their style but at the same time I remember going out and being attached to certain clothes and feeling only good in certain clothes. So I'd go out and I'd, I'd wear the shirt. I'd have a great time and I'd come back home. And then the next day I'd want to go out again and I'd like look at the shirt. I'd be like, oh, I really want to wear this again because I want to have a good time again. It's like I related the good time to the clothing. So the clothes were wearing me. Mm. So at some point I, I made the decision that for a month, I'm going to wear clothes that are gross or like clothes that I don't like and go out talking to women to, to see that it's not about my clothes. That being said, it's the clothes that suck. My hygiene was still good, but the clothing was not my favorite, <laughs> let's just say. So that helped me get out of that headspace where, you know, style was everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I don't think I could actually feel comfortable like I I love dressing up like ah you want to see my outfit today yeah but guys that's the thing like it's a luxury for men oh do I love that that's cute cute. (laughs) it's uh it's a luxury for men I I I say this every (laughs) like every time I talk to a guy I'm like we are so lucky we're men we're so lucky we're men because women are not as shallow as we are they're not, they're not judging us the same way we are. And the thing is, a lot of men, they think through the male perspective. So they think that women judge them like men judge women. So they start working out and taking care of their body, thinking that that's going to be the thing. But it's not. It's it's more about how you behave and how you, your lifestyle and how you move in the world. In my working opinion. out definitely helps though. It, it helps because it shows that you take care of yourself, but it's, it's not, it's not the differentiator. No, really. no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Like it, I just, I would say that for, um, if there's a, if you're, if you're going after like abundant women, like very abundant women, they're going to have to like, they have a, a few more bullet points and I get to say like, no, I want an athletic man. I get to like have that standard for myself. So <laughs> well, I, I although not required, it definitely does help you get access to, I think more women long-term that you're into. I, I agree, but like, it's not the highest priority on the list. Not and at it, all. And, if, and it's something that can be tolerated if it's not the case compared to men, like if they don't find you physically attractive, it's, it's, it's almost impossible for them to be in a relationship with you. That That's at least starting a relationship. I mean, growing old together, I, I don't know. I'm not there yet. Um, I might disagree slightly. I've, I've come across some, a lot of situations actually, um, <laughs> where men are, have chosen the logical decision because they feel like that's the right one. 
Uh, I know most of the time men are going to choose partners based on how they feel or how that partner makes them feel. Um, and the tension that is created between them, um, and the polarity and all that stuff. But I've seen a couple of cases where the guy's like, I'm not as attracted to her as I would like to be, um, versus like, you know, his best friend who he's very attracted to, but she's got other suitors in mind. So, um, yeah, but that, that to me is like someone settling. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's like, for me, I'm, I consider myself like pansexual where the energy means more to me than the, the physicality, but even that being the case, I still care about the physicality. So maybe I'm not fully pan. <laughs> um, but I think, I think for men with abundance, looks are really, really high up there. It's like, we're, we're biologically wired to look at that. And you, you've even told me how men are better at reading symmetry than, than women are. Oh yeah. Way better. I mean, uh, part of my job, um, with my profession as a ballet coach is to see symmetry. And it took me solid time, like solid amount of time to really develop my eye for symmetry versus, you know, the guy that taught me, he had that gift already. Like that was something he was born with. And I was like, wait, what, how can you see the weight distribution so easily? And I had to like practice and find tricks and understand, uh, like certain spatial awareness and stuff, uh, in order to, to develop that, but it's possible, <laughs> but you guys are just naturally very good at seeing like, oh yeah, yeah. She's proportional. Like, in fact, that's a compliment I get quite often from men in general, which is like, oh my goodness, you're so proportional or, you know, like your genetics are ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it sounds crazy, but you guys are so logical. Sometimes when you give us compliments, I'm just like, <laughs> shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think about my compliments. I just, I just say whatever I think all the time and then it comes out as a compliment and then it comes out authentic and, and it means something, but yeah, like, that's nice. Yeah. It's okay. You remind me of a, this tissue box that I have. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck I'm saying. I'm, I'm looking at this tissue box right now. It has a nice pattern. So I'm imagining a nice dress. <laughs> um, let's see. So we both needed a week off because uh, we're we were both struggling. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I had I had boot camp uh, last week, and um, just for so that our new audience members um, know what boot camp is, it's basically a workshop where. Uh, the men and clients come in to learn how to approach women in person um, and they do model work with us. So we work with them on one-on-one. -on -one. We usually try to work with every guy that's in the workshop, each model. And there's usually about at least six to eight models or something. And, you know, we try to work with all the guys and we basically give them feedback, very blunt feedback sometimes about how they make us feel, what we see in them, exactly what we think. And um, it never ceases to amaze me how amazing some of these models are and how well they can see into somebody they just met, you know, like a minute ago. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, some Sometimes like we we had a brand new model there. Actually, we had two brand new models. One of them, you know. <laughs> Wait two brand new models and I know one of them and you know oh, one the girl that me and Mark approached nope no I'm gonna make you keep guessing <laughs> wait wait who wait you totally what, know did I meet her in LA you never actually met her I'm not, then why would I know her how would I know you her you do right? know her <gasps> shut up no yes no, oh, and then and then and then, well, I'll tell you more because there there's there's a story to it too, but we we can totally talk mention her on the podcast is not a problem. But anyways, there was this other new model, not her, that um never seen her, never met her before. I think she said she had like three brothers or something, and just you know she's into astrology or whatever. And I I can't remember who she was partnered with, but he was very masculine and had very dominating energy. And 
this girl read him like a book out loud in a kindergarten class, just like ABCs of who you are. I like, and I saw it too, but I've, I've been doing this for a while, you know, like I'm, I'm developed and I trust the space. I trust the dating coaches to keep me safe. I trust the clients to accept the feedback. So the fact that she came to that room, never having been there before, and she was one of the first to go. So it's not like she got to hear other models bluntly give their feedback first. And she just was like, you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that. And he looked very scared. Like he had just seen for the very first time someone um, call him out on how he comes across to women. I'm so curious which one this is, like which client this is. Please tell me after this podcast. I'm so interested. But yeah, I want to type it. I'm going to type it in the chat so you can see. I feel like I already know who it is. And if it is who I think it is, I'm going to be so happy. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he, whew, there, there was a lot of uh, energy from him to the women because sometimes you guys won't see it um, from like from man to man, but from man to woman, we can feel like, oh, we know what you are behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. um, this particular guy really comes off like he loves to pick low hanging fruit and he mm -hmm. is not like he is attracted to women who um, have like alpha energy or are very strong, but he can't uh, handle a challenge. And so very strong women would like partner or very strong models would partner with him. And then he would immediately cower. It was so crazy because this dude is so alpha, but he can't, he doesn't do alpha women. And it's so sad because I can see that that's what he's attracted to. Damn. That's interesting. I think he had some good wins too. Like when he came back, he told me. Oh yeah. He definitely, uh, I mean, very attractive, great masculinity. He needs way more vulnerability though. <laughs> I think long-term, the type of women that he's into really are going to need that vulnerability from him up front. Otherwise he's going to keep getting those like little weaklings that he's used to those women who don't challenge him those women who don't really bond him mm -hmm. don't really truly deeply bond with him i should say do you feel like he needs like when is it appropriate for him to be vulnerable hey, right away as soon as he's approaching especially daytime approaching i would mm -hmm. even say nighttime approaching because he's so masculine he's so dominant that it would take i think uh, that amount of vulnerability paired with his masculinity and curiosity and confidence or whatever to, uh, like to get the, like a woman that would be more ideal for him. Cause mm. I'm guessing, cause he, he clearly doesn't have a, a, a problem with picking up women. Right. Clearly. Uh, I mean, he, he does. <laughs> I mean, like he can get attention and get the low hanging fruit. Like I said, um, He's dating some people right now. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he, but that could like the connection with the 10, his 10 mm -hmm. vulnerability is all I got to say. He needs. What, what I find happens often is these guys that even rate women as a 10, they put them on a pedestal and they can't communicate them normally they can't communicate with them normally because they're like, okay, I have to be on now instead of them thinking that they're always on in a, in a sense. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like with him, that might be the issue. Funny enough uh, is that like, he's too picky. And when he's walking around, he doesn't actually approach enough people. Um, and then when he sees that girl, it's like, oh, okay, now it's time to go. And, and he can't operate. Um, that's that's what I've noticed. I, I haven't I didn't see him at the boot camp. Yeah. No. He did great. I mean, honestly, he was he was he was wonderful for the most part. 
he did get a 10. He did ask for a 10 on panel feedback. Okay. And he got it. I think you're talking about a different person than I initially thought. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you got a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. On feedback. It was brutal. It was really brutal. <laughs> uh, he, he took a seat early, <laughs> which I oh. haven't seen in a long time. So, um, but he did take the feedback. So, and I could see that he was processing it. He was very um, grateful for it, which was nice. Um, I was really impressed with this group of, of guys. Um, there were a few in there that were trying they were they were definitely trying um and they're just in that lost new client phase where they're just like they're finally getting brave enough to like do something but they still haven't done like the work isn't complete yet so it's just like messy and all over the place yeah they're not quite aligned, but I actually really like that face. Um, not that I'm attracted to it, but I, I know what's going to come next. I know that when they keep putting in the work and they keep showing up consistently and they keep approaching that, um, they're going to be a lot more attractive the next time I see them. I, I find, I find that that phase is very, it's like a very cautious phase where you have to be very resilient because, you know, when guys show up to the boot camp, you got to remember that because of the energy of the group and the permission from the group, it's a lot easier for them to be in a position to take action. But a lot of these guys, when they go back home after a boot camp, they get into these depressive episodes where they don't go out for a couple of weeks or even, even they just give up. Mm. Right. Because now they don't have that permission. Now they're back in their old environment and they're falling back into old habits. Or they thought that this boot camp was going to be a quick fix and fix everything. Well, no, it's just like a one up. It's like a place where you got a bunch of awareness and now you have to go integrate it. But yeah, it's like for when I get guys going to boot camps, I warn them like when they get back, the day back they could get back, take a rest day. Just take care of yourself. You had like a dopamine high from the boot camp and you're going to crash. So take care of yourself for a couple of days and then get right back on the horse. And it's not going to be comfortable. You're not going to want to do it, but you have to get back on the horse. Um, that's if, if guys can get back on the horse after a boot camp, that's when I'm like, yes, it's done. <laughs> right. But if they don't, then there's like a lot of sadness in me because there are moments where I wanted to give up so many moments so many moments, but for me, I related it to the gym, right? Like in the, I went to the gym cause I, I have bad genetics that I need to work on my body for it to look appropriate. It looked to look good, not appropriate. It's still good. Uh, and I was bad with women and I needed to work on that to get good at it. And the pain was bad enough for me to go through those painful weeks, those painful days. Um, but I wanted to give up so many times and I had resentment so many times. Um, but you know, learn to process my own emotions, learn to let go, learn to not learn to not take things personally and, um, and yeah, and just be better. Yeah. That's, um, that's actually <laughs> what I'm going through right now, which is, you know, trying to, to face the music and finally start working on this self-love that everybody keeps talking about. <laughs> You guys have been so annoying with all of your self-love BS memes and stuff for all of these years. And so I'm finally starting to invest and to learn um, about myself things that I'm very uncomfortable with. Um, there are some exercises that I got to do while I was at the boot camp, um, and they were amazing um, at helping me figure out why I am the way I am in relationships and why I never feel like my energy is matched and I'm unsatisfied or I get the you're too much too soon kind of thing. And it's it's eye-opening and humbling and humiliating. 
um, when you, especially one of the things that I, I really figured out was that not so much that I don't understand my own value. I know that I have value as a person, but I'm afraid the other person doesn't see my value. So I work extra hard so that they know that I know that I'm valuable. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is because growing up, I got one, I was basically a third parent. Um, My mom is, as you know, um, is very sick and is quite often in and out of the hospital. So caring for her plus my three younger siblings um, as a teenager really took a toll on my teenage years. So I, a lot of people deal with their inner child. I have to definitely deal with that person, but even more so I have to deal with the abandoned teenage years that I never really got to have. Like I didn't have first kiss. I didn't have um, like, I didn't go on dates and the, oh, I went on one date and the one date I went on, my mom went to, and <laughs> it was very weird and I didn't like it. So I just didn't date. And, um, so, and then I was expected to do all of these things. Like it was just expected that I perform all of these talents and chores and take care of other people unappreciated. And so I have brought that energy into the rest of my life. I expect that I'm going to have to do everything, but I also expect that I'm going to be on like that. I'm going to be unappreciated for those efforts. And, um, man, it sounds all cute and fluffy. It is not cute and fluffy to feel that about yourself. Like I spent so many days crying, um, for that person that, was willing to be treated that way. Like mm-hmm. that me, like the, the per like that version of me that was willing to like put up with it. It's like, you start to see that as a separate person. Like, why would you do Like, if that were one of my friends, I'd be like, why are you doing this? You know, <laughs> like, why are you okay with accepting so little when you put in so much effort? That's ridiculous. And why are you putting so much effort in with somebody you, or some with people who, are not like appreciating your value, you know? So uh, it's been a journey. It's going to be, I don't know how long it'll be. It it might be forever, but it's work that I know that I have to do. Like it just self-love. I hate that phrase. (laughs) So self-care, self-love, like it uh, all used to make me cringe. And the reason it would make me cringe is because I was uncomfortable feeling safe in my own body. Hmm. Like I don't, I don't feel at this point safe in my own body by myself, comfortable with me just building the life that I want to live at this point in my life, which terrifies me. Hmm. What does that say again? Uncertainty. (laughs) I'm like, what does that say again? Uncertainty. Yeah uncertainty pain and um constant work what was that thing that you sent me today about black women being strong um let's go ahead and share it let's do that i think it'll give more context for our audience um but yeah um basically like this is not what i feel is not uncommon in my culture Mm-hmm. yeah i'm always curious about these things but i feel uncomfortable asking questions about it oh and- feel free to ask. i'm an open when it comes to like who i am and my own perspective i'm not ashamed of that or and i like i don't feel protective mm-hmm. in the sense that i wouldn't want to share i part of the reason i'm doing this is because i want people to really understand and know um that you know like everybody's human like everybody has their thing yeah like watching it i wasn't sure what to think but let's let's watch it great women out there there can be a strong i'd like to apologize i've seen there is strong which is something that i really admire but i've recently come to realize that it's a stereotype which can actually be dangerous 
let me explain it to the white women out there. There can be an expectation on black women to perform as superhuman while being treated as subhuman. There can be a burden in strength that can harm your emotional, physical, mental well-being. I'm sorry. Black women I've called strong. I'd like to apologize. Okay, so I have a I have a question for sure. you. When she posts that and she says, like, I'm sorry. What is your feeling like when you receive that from her specifically? I don't know anything about her. I imagine that she was probably, you know, giving somebody a compliment and said strong black women. And there was backlash for that, because right now that is something that is being addressed online with black women is that, you know, we don't have to be superhuman anymore. And um, have you heard of the black tax? No. Okay, so there is a saying um, within, I would just say just the general black community, which is that there's the black tax, which means you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And this is something that's been told to me since I was a kid. You work twice as hard as everyone else, you get half as much as everyone else. This is the way the world works for you. This is what you should expect. That way your expectations are never this high. I know that this is really fucked up. I know that this is a really shitty mentality, but it's one that I've always had. And I felt like it protected me from expectations that were too high that hurt me. Yeah, yeah. Um, And this is where also where, you know, where where she was saying like, you're expected to be super- a superhuman but then be treated as subhuman Mm. um that's what it means um this has happened in all different types of scenarios including the current industry that i work in now Uh, i had an experience on tuesday which was that i went to um work i went to work with another professional within my industry And instead of approaching me with curiosity, she approached me with demands and, um, and like snobbery, even though I'm more experienced and more credentialed than she is and, and have way more results, um, than she does. And it was like automatic. She didn't even think about it. And I called her out on it, um, in front of her students. Cause at that point I was just like tired of it. Um, but this is, it's so common that it's literally something that they teach to, um, I would say mostly black women. I do like black men don't usually get that talk. They get a different type of talk, but the talk for black women is that you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Wow. Yeah. Including men. (laughs) including like, um, potential partners, like you should expect that, you know, your partner, like just getting a good man, like not a, not a compatible match, but just getting a good partner is amazing for you. Anything. Yeah. Anything beyond that is, is, does my life make sense to you now? I mean, yeah, a lot of lives make sense to me now. I mean, it just feels like I understand why settling is happening a lot of the times and why certain kinds of abuse is being tolerated. Um, but I see that with a lot of women too, just in general, like abuse being tolerated. Um, but I, yeah, I don't have these conversations uh, enough to to have an opinion or, or to feel like comfortable talking about it. I've had, I've had an instance once where it was during the BLM rallies um, that like there was like the protests were going on. And one of my friends was asking me like, Hey, uh, like it was in a group chat. I was like, Hey, do you want to go to this uh, BLM rally? And I was like, Hey, I'm immune compromised. Like COVID was happening. I'm like, I, and also I have clients. I, I can't, I can't come out. Uh, she's like, okay. And then I, mentioned to her that I have a client who's uh, African-American and also a police officer and that I was curious about what his opinion was about what was going on. Like, I was just curious because everything was happening. Like it was, it just started to happen. And uh, she responded with, ugh, that is 
that is like racist. Like you shouldn't ask uh, a black person what their opinion is. And also uh, just because he's black doesn't mean he's not racist. He's a police officer murdering uh, black people. And then for me, I was like, what? Like, I can't ask people about their life experience. I can't try to understand people's perspectives so that I can be a better human and interact with the world better. So I've had that reaction and it felt super extreme. And since then, I, I felt very, I've shied away from talking about those kinds of issues. Um, you, you probably noticed that I get quiet when these issues come up because I don't know how to respond. I don't, I haven't had those experiences as much to, to add input a lot of the times. Yeah. And, and I respect that you're very honest about that because normally what I get from, uh, other non-white people is that, oh, I've had a similar experience and I know exactly what you're talking about, uh, in this context. And I'm like, you do, but you don't, <laughs> you, yeah. It's it's I cannot tell you like if Meghan Markle didn't understand that she was a black woman or had um, that she was basically a minority until she got to the UK. And she's half black. There's no way that anybody other in that other category is going through what most uh, unambiguous black people are going through Um, literally there have been campaigns in this, in the country that I live in, which is the U S to, um, be anti-black. Like there were immigrants brought here to basically, um, show that, oh, we take care of minorities. It's just that black people are lazy, stupid, un- like uninspired, unmotivated, uh, you know, like anything that you could, any type of label that you can put on them. Um, something else I wanted to mention about the the story that you shared about that friend of yours who said that you can't ask a black person about their perspective is that one, that I'm guessing that they were either quite young or just very uninvolved in understanding nuance and conversation. I think it's very important to, um, one, be in conversations with all kinds of people and diversity. And that's the one thing that we love. If they're like, I ask you about your perspective and your sister's perspective, um, because I'm very curious. And that's what if if we can't be curious as people, I don't understand what we're doing here. Now, yeah. I will say it is a bit cultural for curiosity to be killed uh, to be killed at a very young age. I know for me, I was taught not to ask too many questions, not just at home, but also in ballet. <laughs> They're <laughs> like, don't ask too many questions uh, because it was like, you could get in trouble. Like as a as a black person, your livelihood or life could be on the line if you became too smart and if you came off too smart alecky. So it still all comes back to that the core of it is still like elitism, race, racism, um, subhuman treatment, mm-hmm. um, because you would never tell anyone else to not like talk about their perspective or ask someone about their perspective perspective. It's such an important thing. But um, like I said, I, I, that person, I'm so sorry that that was a, a poignant interaction. You're welcome to talk to me about those things. You're welcome to ask me questions. Um, I have feelings. I have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of opinions regarding it too. And they're, you know, like I take my time to really research um, not just the the uh, the actions that are often brought up and the cultural nuances but also the humanity part of it um in in a lot of ways i don't think people realize that even if you're not black racism still hurts you too like at the end of the day that's one less group of people who you're interacting with on a positive level which is always a crappy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I find this year to be pretty amazing for me because, um, I find that there's a lot more diversity in my community at this moment. Um, and like, and that, that comes to race and like gender, 
Um, like I've had a lot more queer people in my life lately that I'm interacting with. And um, I used to not feel safe asking them questions, right? Because they also, uh, like a lot of times they don't like that person who's in their curious phase and they're not sure what they want or what, what, what where they are in their head. And they want people to kind of just know everything. Um, so I always felt like insecure talking about certain subjects, but these days I've been, I've been opening up a bit more and, and having those conversations and finding more nuance and, um, yeah, it's been delightful. I'm, I'm very excited. In my men's group, we have a new, um, member coming in, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> so I'll stop now. I don't know why I even brought it up, but I'm very excited about this. Urgh! Maybe I'll bring it up another day. <laughs> bring it up when it's safe to bring it up because we we want to keep this podcast um friendly in several yeah. different ways and so i mean like i think one of the cool things about what we're what we're um <laughs> what we're doing at this early phase which is that we're still kind of experimenting with uh conversations that are edgy but good you know like edgy but are informative we're not just talking out of our our um you know just for talking sake there's actually something i wanted to bring up with you i don't know if you heard about the meg the stallion and toy lane's um situation you don't know anything about it no i don't really watch news so you don't i mean obviously you know who meg the stallion is yeah i know you you know toy lane's is yeah yeah (laughs) okay and you know that they were dating at one point i didn't Okay. So Meg Thee Stallion, Tory Lanez were at a party. They were dating. He got upset at her and he shot her in the foot. You didn't know this at all. (laughs) Yeah. So this happened a while back. I actually want to get the details on this so that I don't um, put any miss too much uh, misinformation in here. But, um, and the reason I can say he shot her in the foot is because he was just convicted. So I don't have to say allegedly anymore. I used to, I remember when I heard Tory Lanez the first time I was in high school and he was underground and his, his music was amazing. I was, and I was like looking into his history and looking into his struggle and how he had to raise his brother and he was always like fending for himself. But then right. as, as like his career started taking off, uh, I noticed that that anger, that energy never went away that, and it got worse, um, kind of reminds me of Chris Brown a little bit like where I find like Chris Brown like is very reactive and and always needs to like sh- like make it clear that he's there at least that's the feeling I get with him is like look I'm still doing shit <laughs> um, yeah just... yeah I can feel that energy too um so he shot her in 2020 they were at a party she originally didn't even want it talk about being shot and then she said she was shot and then she didn't want to say who it was and then um a bunch of men in the hip-hop community very very famous like all the top ones were basically calling her a liar um and really tearing her down and i have not really consumed a whole lot of her music but she is very talented the music that I've, i've listened to of hers she's like Ultimately, so like for these men to like come out against her and call her a liar. To me, as soon as she said what happened, as soon as she said it was Tori that um, that shot her, I believed her like immediately. As soon as she said it, I like there was no way this girl was lying. Um, but all of these men came out saying like she's a liar. Don't believe her. She gets drunk super easily. So that's why, you you know, you shouldn't believe her. Everybody knows that she becomes belligerent and all these things. Um, and of course, you know, of course he's been, um, found guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and has, I think he's going to be, he's going to be, I'm not sure what's going to happen to him. I, I don't remember what his sentencing was, but what I really wanted to talk about more so on this topic was the fact that one, that she was dating somebody that would shoot her this, which is kind of, you know, the point we were making earlier about, the black tax really having um, a long-term effect on our psychology and what we accept in our life as like standard. And then two, the fact that 
these prominent men who basically were at the party and knew what happened still were willing to lie and cape and cover for a shitty dude. Damn. That's heavy. I think we should talk about it. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to think um, because I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like to me, it's just, it, it's shocking that it happened, but knowing like his personality, it's also not shocking that, that, that it happened. But I, I don't really have much to say, to be honest. It's just like that that's sad and that sucks um and i hope he gets <laughs> you know caught for it or like you know taught like he gets a, a lesson served to him um yeah. but I, I don't really know what else to say about it to be honest well i the it's not uncommon for men to cover for shitty men um yeah. this happens I, this is this is not the first time. It definitely won't be the last time. Um, I, my mind goes right immediately to like college frat parties where there's sexual assault usually of some type. And, you know, the, the guys cover for the, usually the offenders or are participating in some way. And I want to know from a guy yeah. what do you think like where do you think that comes from it's it's weird because i i surround myself with guys like I, I run a men's group where we talk about our feelings and we talk about things we're ashamed of and we have clearings and we call each other out so i feel i'm in a community that's a bit different i never went to college or university and never really had that frat experience and i've yeah so it, it's i i don't know if i'm the best person <laughs> to, to have a point of view on it but sometimes You're maybe still a man <laughs> maybe we understand like men understand each other at a very logical uh, level and we have expectations like it's kind of like maybe if your kid does something you're gonna love them no matter what um but there's definitely certain there's like for me I have boundaries like if certain things happen that I'm like yeah I can't talk to this person anymore like I, I was once outside of a strip club with my friend and he just started compl like talking, complimenting the strippers that are outside. And it's like, to me, not to them, but he was like, oh my God, they're so hot. And then he starts saying all this homophobic stuff. And I was like, what the heck? Like, why are you, why do you think I would be the person to talk to you about that? Like, I, I, I'm, I don't agree with you. Shut the fuck up. Like I got really angry. So for me, I've tended to call guys out when they do something that steps on my boundaries. Um, but I've never had an experience like that where like where my friend did something that messed up that I was like, no, he would never do that. I've never had an experience like that. Do you know guys that have, have um, done this where they've, um, and I, I wouldn't have expected that you would have covered for somebody who you knew was guilty of, of any type of, um, of anything like that. But um, I, I am curious because I know that men tend to bond on vasopressin, which is a, a challenge hormone. It's like a, a hormone where they, they feel challenged and usually the people that they're um, completing that challenge with, they feel bonded to uh, mm -hmm. men or women. And so um, I'm wondering if that has, like, cause obviously you guys aren't just shitty people. Like you're, yeah. I think everybody's born good, but I think there are certain things that really kind of play to our, um, our dark side. And we don't really yeah. even realize it, um, that are in our way. Like uh, women can come, become very manipulative, manipulative when they don't feel like they're getting their way and you don't even realize it. And until like, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that like that. I can't believe like that I would do something like that because you're in the mode. I find like with my group, we talk about our shadow quite often mm -hmm. and we talk about those thoughts that are in our heads, but that we don't take action on. 
uh, like dark thoughts, like thoughts that we wouldn't ever want to share with. And if women heard us saying this stuff, I was about to say that I was like, if, do you think if women were privy to these thoughts, if they, that heard, we would- if they heard any of it, they would get so triggered. They would run away. They would, they'd be terrified. But the thing is we, we were in a circle and we just say all these thoughts out loud so that they're not repressed and they don't grow and they don't, they don't ever become something we take action on, like bringing light to the shadow makes it light right so that's that's what we tend to do but listen like we've had i've had guys that have told me stories of situations where the girl you know like would be like you raped me you know and like i'm not gonna say names obviously but there's situations where like maybe uh they're out partying they both get drunk the girl gets really drunk and then they sleep together and then the next day she's like did we have sex and then the guy now he's like, am I a rapist? Right. And he, and he, and I've had to work with guys to process that. And that's guys who have gone through that. Like at least the guys that I've worked with, they are so ashamed. Mm-hmm. They cannot function. Or they, they, like they are now their social anxiety and their anxiety around women is so hyper. Um, mm-hmm. And they feel like bad people. And they didn't have that intention. They didn't have that intention to do something like that. Um, but they know that they hurt someone and that, that lives with them day to day. Um, so that's what I've seen. And, you know, in those moments, it's not like, I'm like, Hey, you know, it's fine. What you did was fine. No, it's not fine. It's what you did sucks. But at this point, like, what are we going to do? We have to heal this and bring awareness to this and, you know, be better moving forward. Um, so I'm, I'm now I'm curious because you know, like I, I have dealt with within the boot camps, um, by the way, um, men who've, you know, basically legally committed crimes or whatever, but you know, like the, the situation might be sketchy. And I agree with you. They do carry shame. Their social anxiety is high. And these men, the sad part about them is they have like all of the raw material to really be successful in approaching and be successful with women, but because they're hiding behind that shame, it's really um, repelling and stopping them from moving forward. So I really hope that they learn to deal with it. But um, the book that uh, I wanted you to read of Boys and Men, it actually has a chapter that's dedicated to men's dark side and how little, um, little redemption we allow for them to have, especially young men. Uh, Most men will commit terrible crimes between the ages of uh, 15 and 23, Mm -hmm. which is obviously when the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. Yeah. And it's also a time where you have you're, you're just not doing enough in your life and career. You have not built a life. And so a lot of these men are displaced and yeah. it's easier to send them to jail or prison or the military without really allowing them to fully uh, understand who they are and why they were wrong and, you know, come to, to, to really heal from it and forgive themselves and to move on. And that what I'm saying right now, I realize can make me sound like uh, a people pleasing or pick me or something like that. But I do think it's something that we have to figure out as a society going forward, because a young man, an angry young man is very different than what an angry young woman is. An angry young woman will can cause damage uh, psychologically uh, in toxic relationships Uh, She might have a lot of children out of wedlock, unsupported, um, but she's not going to cause a whole lot of material damage, right? Like versus an angry young man can really destroy um, the lives of many. I think women can do that too, actually. Of course. Women can ruin your life. They might not physically damage you, but they can, they can take your life away. Like the amount of clients that have that their life has been taken away from them, um, is ridiculous, but oh yes, I'm I'm aware that women are sinful and they get away with it because it's not a crime that you can put on paper or a sin that you can really put words and articulate. Yeah. Um, you know, there so many like I've I've come across women who have had children with men that they knew didn't want to be fathers, 
on purpose, you know, who have lied about, you know, using birth control, who have, um, who have uh, slept with uh, married men or seduced them um, to gain whatever life status or, or been vindictive with their sexuality, who have taken uh, the parental rights away from their the fathers of their children like they have like accused their the fathers of like being um of sexual misconduct against like their yeah there was one time there was um a, a gymnastics coach that I was very close with really good guy um and his ex-wife to get more child support and more alimony decided to accuse him of sexual assault against the child because she had diaper rash and of course, when this type of accusation is made, what people don't tell you is that even if you're innocent, the process of going through proving your innocence is hell. Yeah, there's our there are investigations. I was interviewed, um, and the parents of his because he was a gymnastics coach, so he was around a lot of children. So they're going through his laptop and stuff, and they're like, "Well, he's got a lot of picture of pictures of children." No, all the children were clothed but this is still something they have to write down in their report. So like I've seen women do tons of, of, of really crappy damaging things to men. So please do not believe that. I don't understand where that comes from. Um, it's just with men, it's easier to name the things that are really bad. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I actually have examples more examples of women who are victims of rape who would protect the person who raped them, especially when it's a family situation. Um, and yeah, like that drove me insane. Like, cause like for me, when, when the R word gets dropped, I get super like angry and protective and, and weird. And, um, yeah, I've had to sit across people that I knew did something years ago, and I had to sit there quietly because the victim would have accepted has accepted them. And if I say anything, I'm ruining lots of lives. So it's like a, a huge dilemma that's put on me, which I, I feel like I, I didn't deserve to have. Um, but yeah, like I've seen that happen. I haven't really seen guys being like, oh, like like protecting another guy who was accused of, of that, at least in my, in my circles, what I've experienced. I've definitely seen it happen where the man has clout. So if the man has status and is a guy's guy, like if he is loved by men, he's going to be protected by men. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's been my experience um, in, in general, is that like, as long as other men have vouched for him, see him as a good guy. Um, and by the way, like who a man is in front of men versus who a man is in front of women can be two different people. And that's a lot of times why, um, like if you ever have a significant other in your life that is like, Hey, you need to really reevaluate your friendship with so-and-so listen to her. Yeah. I've never had that thing. God, most people are like, I love your friends. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, just in, just in case that ever happens where, um, there's a woman in your space that's like in that, of course that you trust, um, that says to you like, Hey, he's not a good guy. Or I've seen some things I would, I don't want to hang out with him or I don't want to be around him. I've done that. I've done that with my friends. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't, don't bring that person around anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like once I had a party here and one of my friends who didn't know the rest of the group brought his friend and he seemed nice, you know, I chatted with him. He was fine. And then one of my friends, she shows up and then uh, she immediately grabs me and takes me to my room. And she's like, who is that guy? What's his name? I'm like this, 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 that. She's like, oh, I think I'm going to go home. I'm like, why? What's what's going on? And she's like, yeah, uh, he used to like stalk me, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what the fuck? So 
she ended up leaving and then I grabbed my friend and I was like, yo, this guy needs to leave uh, and don't ever bring him back. Uh, And then he's like, why? I'm like, I'll tell you, I'll talk about it later, but it's not the time. Um, But yeah, it's, it's crazy because you never know who you're talking to. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And then, you know, like I know women are different with men. Um, You know, it's the same thing. Women can be one way with women and in a different way with men, although it's not the same power dynamic clearly, but you know, like we, we have to, we have to watch out for each other in those uh, moonlight moments. Cause we, you only get one life and we're all trying to figure these things out. None of us have been here before. <laughs> None of us have been here before, but we try to listen to the advice of those that came before us. We're kind of all standing on shoulders about how to really, like, we really still don't know how to deal with transgressions within society, especially when it comes to men. And this is something that I I battle with daily, especially as somebody who's been sexually assaulted and raped and um and unforgiving towards certain parts of that um but i still believe that those people should still have a chance at a quality life Hmm. you know it's like an inner battle and like i think a lot of women will protect men um in those situations because we know that you are literally stealing I don't want to say stealing, but like his life will be ruined. He will never get, even though your part of your life is ruined, it's something I think we think we can deal with until you have to start dealing with it. Like when, once those sleepless nights start happening, once those social anxieties start to kick in, once you can't get intimate with your partner because you've been triggered, and you don't realize the cost of that. You don't realize that that's going to affect the, honestly, it's going to affect your overall health yeah. and the, the, the longevity of your life. I actually had to like, um, I came across a Ted talk like years and years ago. And, um, one of the, the, it was like seven traumas or something. Like if you've been through, um, a certain amount of these seven traumas, you, you, you should like, you should be required to go into therapy because it will shorten your life if you never deal with them. And I tested like six out of seven of them. So I was very high on the list and I'm very fortunate now to, to like, I feel as though become self-aware enough to where it hasn't really affected my health too much. But, um, had I not come across that Ted talk, I could be in a very different place. Yeah. Uh, health-wise and mentally, you know, I could be um, abusing substance on a regular basis and and things like that. Cause we all find some way to cope with, again, all of those things that I mentioned, those sleepless nights, those triggers, those social anxieties um, mm-hmm. that you have before. So I think it's, uh, it behooves us to try to figure out how to deal with the unredeemable. Mm-hmm. Man. So that's like an example of like too much empathy being a very negative thing. I know. Mm. That's part of the reason I chose empathy is because, you know, there were just things that at that point in my life, I didn't know how to deal with. Mm. And forgiveness was the best route at that point, cause I, you know, I wasn't in therapy yet. I, um, and I underestimated self-confidence, self-worth, um, self-esteem. I really put those on the back burner because I needed to be able to sleep through the night. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So empathy was kind of a selfish quick fix for me. Well, I'm glad you're getting help. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what a job. And I hope other people seek help when they've been through this kind of stuff too. Yeah. 
these are dark times, Harry, very dark times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, no, we did a good job. We we started uh, with like lip injections. <laughs> uh, yep. We started with lip injections and uh, dating woes and, you know, like boot camp. That was light. We'll do more light stuff. Don't worry, audiences, it won't be dark all the time. But I do think it is important that with this platform, we talk about all of biology and not just the fun part of it no of course no i'm glad we talked about it i think i just need a nap now <laughs> <laughs> well you are welcome to nap and so are you guys uh again you can always contact us at it's the approach at gmail.com if you ever want to ask us a question or leave a comment or just say hi we always enjoy reading and hearing feedback from you guys thank you again for tuning into it's the approach and we will see you next week bye 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 bye